If you will, open up your Bibles to Acts, the fourth chapter. We're going to share uh, this morning. I'm going to preach about or something, preach, teach, do something. And I titled it Backed. You know, uh, when we as Christians or, you know, people need to realize that Christianity is different than any other religion. It totally is. You know, because sometimes people say, well, they're all the same. They all love. They all, you know, want peace. They all want people to know God type thing. And you'll hear that type of thing. And so they'll try to make everything uniform and say that they're just, you know, various paths to God. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. And it is not the truth. And actually, it's an extremely dangerous thought. Because if everybody got on every road thinking that every path leads to Mexico or to Canada and, you know, but all roads go there, you could end up in the wrong place. And uh, we don't want people to end up in the wrong place. And so there are a lot of people out there that say all roads lead, you know, to heaven. Well, all roads lead to the judgment, but not all roads lead in. There's only one road in. And so when we uh, talk today about this word backed, we're talking about this book is backed by God. Our life is backed by God if we're a believer. And it's not that he just backs us. He's way involved in our lives and wants to be extremely involved in our lives in ways that are not natural that are not normal to any other belief system in the world. And that's huge. And so this is not just a normal book. It's not just a normal message. It's not just a normal name. But it's a book and a name and a message backed by God. That's why, you know, you can get in God's presence and where you can experience God. And so here in Acts 4.10, it's interesting. These guys had lived with the Lord and now they're on their own preaching and they make some fascinating statements. And you know, if you're like me, you read the Bible. And when you read the Bible, there are times that different things just stand out. You read it before, but then all of a sudden you see something you never saw. And, and it's full of life. It's kind of like when the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt. You know, maybe you haven't read the story, but maybe you saw it. You know, the Ten Commandments. You know, they came out of Egypt. You know, Moses went up on the mountain. He had hair that was dark, and he came down and had hair like mine. I mean, just in one event, you know, he got the Ten Commandments. But in that movie, you know, you hear the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And one of the things was, you know, we, most people know this. There's the time when God gave manna from heaven. And God uh, made supernatural manna that they could collect on a daily basis. And, and really, the Bible is that way. It's supernatural manna. It's something different. It's a different book. Are you with me? Totally different. It's a living book. And when we read it, there should be manna that we collect. Something from heaven right then. 
Are you with me? The only reason we don't get manna sometimes is because there could be various reasons. One, we haven't done something with the manna we already collected. You say, what do you mean by that? God's already dealt with us. We need to follow his dealing. Then more man is there to collect. So right here, let's notice this. Acts 4, verse 10, then we'll skip down to verse 12. It says this, Let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man was made whole, or stands here before you whole. What happened was, these guys are now off on their own, you know, so to speak. The, the Lord has gone on, is in heaven, and they are preaching this message. And they make this profound statement, and, and it says, you know, that by the name of Jesus Christ, this guy is made whole. But it's interesting when they talk, and sometimes people think that Christianity is just a bunch of mechanics. And, and if we look at this, we'll realize Christianity is not just mechanics. Because he makes this statement, let it be known to you, and we're talking about being backed by God, let it be known to you and to all the people by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know, this guy's made whole. But if you look, you realize it wasn't just the name that made him whole. Notice it reads on, in the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him. Notice by him, this man stands here before you whole. Notice how he interweaves the name and the living Lord. We don't serve a dead God. And so he's basically saying, we used his name and he was made whole by his name, but then he said he was made whole by him. Not just mechanics. There was an encounter with a name and the living God. Look at verse 12. He's continuing to share with these people who have told them, you can't use this name. You can't share Jesus. Same message today from the world. You can talk about other religions. Don't talk about Jesus. There's something wrong. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want people going down the path that leads to heaven. He wants destroyed lives. But thank God we don't just have a message. We do have a message but we have something beyond just a message. Notice this, verse 12. And there is salvation in no other. And then it says, or in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We emphasize the name for people being saved, but notice he goes right back to the idea of a living God. There is salvation in none other. In other words, it's in the living God. It's in Jesus that people are saved. And then he connects it with the name of Jesus. There is no separation between the living Savior and the name. 
And what we'll notice is, just even further down in this chapter, I didn't know if I'd read this verse, but verse 29 and 30, it says, Now, Lord, look on their threats. They've, they've now departed from disputing with this people, basically saying, we've been sharing the name, but the living God has been working with us. And the living God is with us. And then they say some similar things. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. In other words, help us to be bold, to keep doing what you told us to do. In other words, strengthen us in this area. Fill us so that we'll be bold to do our part. And notice this, by stretching out your hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Notice that. He said that you would stretch out your hand. In other words, that is a sign in the Bible or a symbol of God getting involved. He said, you use my name. Give us boldness. You, you will get involved when we use your name. This was a thought pattern they had. That they knew that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord, God would get involved and recreate them and make them new. Are you with me? We don't serve a dead God. And we can depend on Him to back everything. And not only to back it, but to be heavily involved in our lives. Look at this in John. John, the 14th chapter. Jesus here was getting ready to leave and to go and be seated next to God after he suffered and was crucified. And right before he shared this, and he talked on these terms too, that the disciples, you know, often uh, we talk on the terms we've been taught, whether it's right or not. You know, if you hear people talk, you ever heard pe people talk about the Lord and you go, ooh, that's not right. But Jesus said, what we're taught basically is what we, we give. And, and, and whether we know it or not, we're saying things that are connected to beliefs. And these disciples had been taught of the Lord. And if you go read through the book of Acts, you see that they weren't just looking at methods or certain principles they were, but they recognized God was with them. God was working with them, not just in a public way, but in their private life. God was with them in their worship, in their prayer life, every degree every area of life, their business life. It did not matter. They didn't just believe they were trying to work a principle. They knew God would back them. Are you with me? And where did they get that? It had to have rubbed off from somebody. You know, the Bible said, be careful to not hang around with an angry man, lest you learn of his ways and get a snare to your soul. In other words, you start doing the same thing they do. You know, it's interesting that things can wear off. And when we are obedient to the Lord and we're walking with the Lord, there's going to be, you know, as we seek Him and walk with Him, there's going to be stuff that's going to rub off on you. You're going to find, or you may not notice it right away, but others will find 
why, why are you different? Why are you changing? Because things rub off. Are you with me? Notice this in John 14. You wonder where they got this idea that if they would make a stand when they were preaching or when they were praying or when they were witnessing or praying for a friend, that God would heavily get involved with them and it wouldn't be just a principle and it wouldn't just be a name and it wouldn't just be a message. Where did they get this idea? I mean, somewhere they got this idea and they were totally convinced that we serve a living God and He's with us and He's backing us and that's the way they talked. And if you read through the, the New Testament or the book of Acts, you can just kind of glance over it and not notice it. But notice, right before Jesus left, he said this. John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do, because I go to my father. He basically said, if you believe in me, there are going to be some things that are going to happen, and I'm going to go to be with my father. Well, it makes it sound like if you just stop reading there, we're here, we're on our own. You believe in me, great things will happen, I'll be up in heaven, you'll be down here on the earth. Adios, we'll see you when I return. But but they didn't have that mentality. They believed that God was with them, in them, for them, just like we should, and a, and a willing party to work for anybody who will act in line with the Word. And so notice this in verse 13. And whatever you ask the Father, whatever you ask the Father in my name, so notice the name is there again, but notice where they probably picked up some of these ideas about God's personal involvement. It says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Notice what it doesn't say. Whatever you ask or declare in my name, talk me into doing it and I'll do it. Notice it doesn't say, if you use my name and you really just kind of are been good, I'll do it. Notice the connection of the Lord personally being involved, present tense, a living God. That is different than any religion. And then he didn't just stop there and he said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask, and literally means demand or declare anything in my name, he said it again, I will do it. In other words, I'll be present tense. Even though he's in heaven, he will work now on our behalf. That is a huge thing. Turn back to Acts 5, and we're going to look at a couple of different things here. But this is a thought we should have. When I'm praying, I'm not alone. When I'm living this life, I'm not alone. God wants to be involved in my life. It's not just a principle of praying in His name. It's a reality, and it is a principle, but it is a reality. We serve 
a living Savior. And in Acts 5, it's so interesting how they lived their whole life this way. Their life wasn't like compartmentalized. You know, like, oh, if you want to sense God, go to church. We, we should sense God when we go to church. We should realize He's doing things. Oh, wait till they start singing, and you're going to really sense God then, too. Oh, you need to go to prayer meeting on Tuesday or Friday. You'll really recognize God working there, too. Those are legitimate things. Oh, Sunday night believers meeting. Got to go there. You'll really sense God work there, too. But they didn't compartmentalize their lives like that there were just certain places where God would be working with them. What we need to realize is God will never leave us. So he'll work with you wherever you are. And I think sometimes people just don't do what Peter did and step out when it's uncomfortable. But if they stepped out on the water like Peter stepped out on the water, they would recognize divine assistance. Now, obviously, we know the story. Peter stepped out on the word, uh, but he got full of fear because he started focusing on the problem and it filled his heart with fear. And the Lord said, why did you doubt? In other words, it was working. It was happening. And in our lives, we need to recognize, you know, we come to church, we basically, we don't make you, but we do things to make you step out. We don't ask, all right, for those of you who feel like worshiping the Lord this morning, this is just for you. If you don't, don't worry about it. We're going to sing some songs. No, we never say that. We say, let's all do this. And people start singing. And we know the scripture says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And then we start doing it with no feelings, no experience. But we get people to step out. And all of a sudden, God's moving in our midst, and he's working, and we're like, wow, that was incredible. But do you know, the same thing, you can step out in your own life, God is there. If you're a believer, if you've received Christ, God is there and wants to be involved. We don't need a feeling, we just need his word. And we'll have feelings, but that's always second. So notice this here. In, in Acts 5.32. And, and it says this. And we are his witnesses. You know, we, we could say that. And we are his witnesses. And we're looking at the idea of God being involved in our life. And, and they talked as though God was involved in their life. They said, we're his witnesses. If you stop right there, you go, wow, we know that, you know, if you read through the book of Acts, that they were his witnesses. They witnessed for the Lord. They talked about the Lord. They brought people to church. They brought people to where they could be saved. Or they led them to the Lord and then brought them together. But it's interesting what he said here. And we are his witnesses to these things. And. And. 
And I know what an and is because I watch Saturday morning cartoons. It's a conjunction. Connects phrases and clauses and statements and it, it makes them function. And so this connects these together. And so when he said, we are his witnesses to these things. You know, whatever you read in the Bible, you can be a witness to these things. Whatever you've experienced in your life, you can be a witness to these things. But you are not the only witness in your walk. You are not your only... And how many people have been shortchanged in life uh, that they didn't witness because they said, oh, I'm just too intimidated and didn't realize it wasn't just them who was going to witness. And then on the other hand, how many people have gotten addicted to witnessing because they came to realize, man, oh my, when you witness, it's not just you. And notice what they said. And we are his witnesses to these things and also is the Holy Spirit. And so also is the Holy Spirit. 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 We tell people witness, but we should also let them know, so also will the Holy Spirit do. Let me read that again. And we are his witnesses to these things. Where did they pick these ideas up? They got them from Jesus. And then it goes on to say, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given those who obey him. And we understand in the context, these are people who have already given their life to the Lord and accepted Jesus as their Savior. And these people have been filled with the Spirit. And God not only causes them or wants them to witness, he has given them the Holy Spirit to be with them and to witness through them. You with me? You know... We, uh, when we're little, you know, you go to the, some of those magic stores, you ever seen those things that you have buzz someone's hand or something like that? And ooh, because you want, you know, to give them something, give them an experience. You with me? You want people to experience something. That's always cool. You know, when, when I was a youth pastor, we, we did this game uh, that was called Shock Your Buns. And it was a game show, and basically we had made these stools, uh, you know, just wooden stools, and we cut two holes out of each, and then routered like a little groove, and we got some like chicken wire, but it was a little thicker type of stuff, and put one on each side, so you could sit your buns on it. And then we connected this battery, and this... Was it an alternator, not an alternator, uh, something that created amps from like a diesel or something, whatever it was. And then we had these little buttons. And if you got it wrong, you'd push the button. And then you knew you got it wrong. And kids would jump. You know, that would make game shows way better. Right? I mean, if you, you know, I mean, you watch Jeopardy and it's like, I got the answer. You got it wrong. Your points went down. They went. But what if you shocked them? 
These would be good game shows. But, you know, uh, to me, when we would, you know, we would do this at camp or at different times and use this, and kids loved it. But I think I loved it more. Because, you know, you get kids up there and you eh, 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 do a couple test runs and they're like, ow, ow, you know. And they're, no doubt when they leave, nobody else saw it. They saw the reaction, but they say, man, I, I, I got shocked at church. It was real, you know, and it happened at camp, but it can happen anywhere. And in all reality, God doesn't want it just to not be with power when we witness. Just like that, you know, was real and kids talked about it and other kids who weren't involved could say, oh, that's not real. You were just putting on. But they believed it. And, you know, when we're witnesses, we need to recognize we're not just witnessing on our own. You know, I know I had talked to some neighbors and I haven't talked to them in a little bit and I've been purposely thinking, I want to talk to them again. I want to I, I saw him the other day just for a minute or two, but I want to ask him to come and visit the church because one day when I was witnessing to him, I started sharing. And when I drove off, I recognized, man, God, your presence is here. You're working. It wasn't just me being a witness. I know probably the majority of people you know, who have ever witnessed know this to be true. And so here it says, we are his witness to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those. I don't know about you, but the more I look at this, after the disciples left, they recognized God would back them. But do you know this was not just New Testament? There are people in the Old Testament. Turn to 1 Samuel 17. You know, most of us probably, whether we have any Bible background or not, know this story uh, of David and Goliath. You know, David and Goliath. And we know that David killed Goliath. David killed Goliath. But, you know, if you really realize how the story went, it, it was a joint venture. It really was. And really, miracles with God are always a joint venture. That's really what the disciples were saying. We're backed when we act. When we act with nothing but the Word of God. And that's one thing that we need to realize. If we have a scripture, it is God's Word. And we can act in line with that Word because it is God's Word like it is true. And when we start acting like that, we don't need a special word. David did not have a special word this day. He had past experience in his walk with God, and he recognized that uh, God would back him. He recognized God would back him up. And so in the 37th verse of the 17th chapter, it says this, Moreover, David said, Lord, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he, this God, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. 
Notice this. Then he said, and Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Now, he hasn't seen any deliverance. He hasn't experienced any type of answer. But he has already said, God will back me up. And he's got to go face, still got to go face this giant. But he recognized, which all the people in the Bible recognized, Jesus recognized God would back him up. He taught his disciples, God will back you up. And we don't need a special word from God to know God will back us up. We have a written word that if we'll act on the written word, God will back us up. I mean, I don't need a special word. If you don't know the Lord and He's not in you, if you will act and just say, I'm going to take Him this morning, you will have a radical experience and it won't be uh, religious. It will be you doing your part and God doing His part. And we don't need a special word. We've got the written word. And, and David here and others in the Old Testament did these similar types of things. They didn't wait, they acted. And David here is basically saying, the Lord who helped me in the past is going to help me now. Oh, but wait a minute, uh, this is a trained warrior. Yeah, you killed a lion. Yeah, you killed a bear. And he didn't just say God's going to do it and he sat down and ate cheese and crackers. He got up, he literally got up and he went to the giant. And we know this, we think of it this way, David killed the giant with a stone. They cast the Spirit out with the name. They witnessed and led somebody to the Lord. But we now now recognize, and maybe did before, that God is interconnected with our actions. In a powerful way, we serve a living God. And so verse 46 says this, And this day the Lord will deliver into my hand and I will strike you, because this Goliath guy is talking trash to him. You ever been talked trash to by the enemy? You can't always stop that. Like we said at prayer the other day, he will talk in terms to try to devour. He speaks in devouring terms. That's why the Bible tells us to resist, and part of resisting is not worrying. And not fearing. Because those are the terms he talks in to get you to worry. To get you to be full of fear. And that's why it says casting your cares on the Lord. And not to fear and not to worry. Why? Because we're trusting in God. And those are weapons of the enemy that would try to get you to back down from being confident. That's what happened with uh, Peter on the water. Tried to get him back to back down and not be confident. Now that doesn't mean that, that you can stop the thoughts from coming to your head. There's not one person, including the Lord Jesus, was in, when he was in the earth. The Bible talks about when the Lord was getting ready to be crucified, it said he was greatly distressed. 
He didn't go, I'm the Lord, I'm the Savior, no problem. No, there was so much pressure, he was greatly distressed, but he began to act and he walked in victory. And he followed certain kinds of principles that, that are laid out for us. But notice this, or let me say this before we read on. People will face thoughts of worry. That doesn't mean you're failing. You, you just need to go, no, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to act. We, we recognize where that source is. Or where it's coming from. Notice this. This day, verse 46, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head uh, from you. Well, that was a word. Uh, and this day, I will give uh, the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth uh, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. Notice he said, I'm going to act. I'm going to do it. But we already know, he said, the Lord is going to get involved. I'm going to act, but the Lord is going to get involved, and the Lord is going to be backing me. Notice verse 49. Then David put his hand into his bag. You know, there's a lot of ways to put your hand into the bag and grab a stone and do something. Sometimes it can be just standing up against worry, going, no, I refuse you. The word says this, I will not be defeated. Things, I have the answer. And now I can act. Somebody said, but I don't have feelings. Some acting is just not worrying or refusing worry. But notice this, then David put his hand into his bag, took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead uh, so that the stone sank into his head and he fell down on his face to the earth. Isn't it interesting? David did do his part. But notice what he kept saying. God's going to do this. God's going to back me. God's going to back me. He did not have a special word. And I'm going to close over here in this verse in Matthew 17. He stepped out before he saw his giant fall. He talked and said, it's going to go this way. He didn't say, this ain't going to work. And then he started to act. And as he began to act, God got involved. He couldn't miss. I mean, he would have been throwing the first boomerang rock ever. I mean, because it was going to land on its target as long as he was acting in line with the truth. And I'm going to read this verse. It just, I kind of added it at the end. It seemed good. Um, it may be an interesting verse. Matthew 17. You know, we're talking about acting and God backing. But what happens when you tried it before and it didn't work? Maybe you had a failure in an answer to prayer or, or something didn't turn out the way you thought. Does this work for those people? 
do these things work? Or, or, you know, kind of like, you know how like people put sand on a board or put cement on a board and a bunch of it falls off and it can only hold so much, you know what I mean? And the rest falls off. You know, you could be hearing me talk right now and, and we've talked about this, and, but you might be thinking, yeah, I, I've already tried it and it didn't work. So I'm one of those ones that fell off the side. There may be a few left going, well, this will work for me. And maybe a bunch of people say, this won't work for me. I've tried and it didn't work. It's interesting because everything I read works for all of us. And if we don't know why, we're going to look at something that is fascinating to me beyond measure. and, And this is for every believer. Matthew 17, verse 20. And we're going to close with this verse. But notice this. They had just, the disciples had just attempted to uh, get this person delivered from an evil spirit and it didn't happen. But they had been getting results and it didn't happen. And uh, they were like, what was the problem here? And, And he said in verse 20, and Jesus said to them, Uh, because of your unbelief. In other words, you didn't believe. And then he gives them how to do it. Uh, Notice this. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, just a small amount of faith or absolute confidence, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Now, you almost need to look at Mark eleven twenty three 23 when you make this statement because they're connected. He said, whosoever would say to a mountain, move, be cast into the sea, and would not doubt in that, their heart, but they would believe the words that come out of their mouth. And what is it that they would believe about the words that come out of their mouth that they would come to pass? Before it happens, you believe it comes to pass. Then he said, notice this phrase, then you can have whatever you say. You know how broad that is? You know how big that is? That you can have whatever you say if you will truly believe it will come to pass before it comes to pass when you say it. Now here's the thing. Let's go back and look at this as we close. Because Remember that thought, if you can truly believe, and you can, that your words will come to pass, you say it before, and you stand your ground, believing, he said, you will have whatever you say. But that's connected to believing. Notice what Jesus said. After he said, you know, why, why couldn't we? And notice he didn't say, Well, sometimes it won't happen, and he didn't limit them right here. To me, it's super fascinating, the context of which he said this. He said, if you have faith like a seed, you will say to this mountain, move. This means you believe the thing you say. You know, if you don't know the Lord, the Bible said, call on him and he'll answer. So you got to believe before you call. He'll come into you and be your Lord. He said, if you'll believe that, that Jesus died and do it, he'll back it up. A miracle will happen. But notice this. 
And he said, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And remember, they just tried, and something didn't move. But he said, it will move. And notice this, and nothing will be impossible for you. Think of that. He just said, there is nothing that won't change and cannot change and they just had an experience where something didn't change. And Jesus just said, let me set the true parameters to a person who will truly believe in their words and believe the things they say. No wonder he said, then you'll have whatever you say. That makes it sound like all things are possible. Or nothing will be impossible. And isn't it interesting in the context in which he gives it? He wants his people to know there are no parameters, but sometimes by experience, like with them, maybe that parameter started to slide to the wrong place. Well, God can't provide like that. And God can't do this here. But we're still seeing some wonderful things. And the Lord said, uh, no, let me tell you. This is why it didn't happen, but let me tell you where their parameters are. And they're worded like this. And nothing will be impossible for you. So, nothing will be impossible to you. Or, as he said in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, whatever things you desire, you know, or I'm sorry, say to this mountain, be removed, be cast in the sea, will not doubt in his heart, but believe the things he says come to pass. He'll have whatever... Wow, he just opened it back up. Whatever is like, nothing will be impossible. And think of the context. We're talking about God backing us when we believe and act. And when we say and act. And they had a failure. And he said, let me just tell you, right to your face, right where you are right now, guys, uh, there are no limits. Isn't the Lord cool? That he didn't just say, here's how to do it next time. That would have been cool with me because that's all I want to know is how to do it next time. And he didn't just say, well, here's how you do it next time. Let me just tell you there are no parameters to this. That, that's pretty good news. 